The Word of God is living. It is powerful, infallible, indestructible, incorruptible, and it will work mightily in me. And now, your host, Pastor Jerry Maya Williams, from the service already in progress. Amen. Uh, today, I'm going to continue with my series I've been doing on guilt. Next Sunday, I'm, I'm going to wrap this, this message up, and I'm going to talk about how a guilt trip is really an ego trip. And we don't see that, but I want to show you then the Word of God that when you have difficulty shaking your guilt, getting beyond your guilt, is it because you're being egotistic? And I'll show you that in the Word of God. But today, I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 3 once again. Genesis chapter 3 once again. And we're going to be looking at verses 4 through 11. And today I want to talk about how guilt overwhelms you. How guilt overwhelms you. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 4. Now we've read this a couple of times already. Uh, but everybody know how the first woman, the first man and woman began here on earth. They began in the presence of God. They began as God's children, without sin, without any need for righteousness, because they had never sinned. But until they disobeyed God, that's when they needed a blood sacrifice to cover their sin. Verse 4 says, Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. And the serpent is still doing the same thing in this day and this time. It is the serpent, his menus, demon spirits that lie to you. And we ought to discipline ourselves and ought to establish the discipline to always go back to God's word on any matter, any issue we deal with in life. And even if the Word of God doesn't speak to that issue specifically, it will speak to that issue in principle. We must be people of the Word because the serpent will lie to you. So the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. Well, Adam did die 930 years later. So that was a lie. You can't disobey God and think there won't be consequences. All right, verse 5. For God knows that in the day that you eat, eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. This is the one thing God did not want his creation to know. He did not want them to know good and evil. He said, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but the tree that's in the midst of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and the knowledge of evil, you shall not eat of that tree. For in the day you do, you shall surely die. Verse 6, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that is pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Now here's a classic example 
of what happens when you lean to your own understanding. Someone sent me a meme the other day, and I had to laugh at it because it was a meme of a person that had fallen off a ladder. He had erected a ladder on stairs, and he fell off the ladder. And the point is, that person was leaning to their own understanding. If you're going to put up a ladder, you want to put a ladder up on a flat surface. And if you have any other mind that says, yeah, it'll work on stairs, you're leaning to your own understanding. Huh? So the woman saw that the tree was good for food. It was pleasant to the eyes. A tree desirable to make one wise. See, these are all her feelings, not God's feelings. So she took up the fruit and ate. And she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. Verse 7, then the eyes of both of them were open. They knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves covering. When the eyes of both of them were open, they both felt guilt and shame. They felt anguish and remorse, something that God never intended for us to feel. And I'm telling you, there's a way to get beyond that. If you go back to the gospel, if you go back to the cross, if you go back to who we are in the new creation, we can get beyond the anguish, the remorse, the guilt. Every one of us have a past. My wife was talking to me just the other day about uh, someone we both know who's a saint of God and was sharing with me about what the person shared with them about a previous life. And I could not get my mind around the fact that this person was a person that did drugs. That's because God had cleaned this person up so well and had made this person the righteousness of God. I just couldn't see it. But every one of us have a past. You see, every one of us, we were born in sin, shaped in iniquity. Maybe you didn't do what I did and I didn't do what you did, but we were all sinners. So every one of us have a past. Amen? Amen? And, and so because of that past, oftentimes the serpent, he will come, his minion, his demons, and he will trigger feelings of guilt in our lives, something that God has already forgiven us for, something that we thought was behind us, but all of a sudden we're emoting and we're feeling negative feelings about something that we thought that was behind us. I'm telling you, it is behind you. All right, verse 8, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. This is what happened when you're riddled with guilt and shame. You hide yourselves. You hide yourselves from those you're supposed to be in relationship. You try to even hide yourself from God, but you can run, but you can't hide. Because God is everywhere, and the eyes of the Lord runs to and fro throughout all the earth. He beholds the evil and the good. Amen? All right, verse 9, Then the Lord God called to Adam and said, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said that it is God said, Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, you should not eat? Here we see firsthand what, how guilt overwhelms us. Adam and Eve were overwhelmed with guilt. Overwhelmed with guilt, shame, fear, remorse. 
anguish, you, you name the negative emotion, they had to feel it. Even to the point where they want to hide from God. They thought they could hide behind the trees of the garden and feel better, but they didn't feel better. But thank God for, for, for Jesus and thank God for him being a loving God, a merciful God. Even when we're in trouble, God comes to see about us. Even when we have fallen, God meets us where we are. It was the Lord God that came in the garden in the cool of the day, crying out for his fallen creation. Many people want you to think you got to work your way back to God. No, you don't have to work your way back to God. Jesus, did, he, he did it all. Come on. When he died on the cross, before he died on the cross, he said, it is finished. He never said it would be continued. So you don't have to work your way back to God. You just have to accept the truth of God because God will meet you wherever you are. So I want to talk about how guilt, how guilt overwhelms you. Now, I've been telling you for the last several weeks that you are the source of guilt. You see, we look at the case of Adam and Eve. Satan was not the source of their guilt. No, it wasn't the serpent that caused the guilt. It was them themselves who caused the feelings of guilt. So the source of guilt is not God. It's not even the devil. It's not other people. You can blame the woman. The woman can blame the serpent. But your guilt is because of you. And guilt is produced when we make judgments apart from God. We got to start saying what God says about us. We got to look in the mirror and see what God sees in us. Stop beating yourselves up. When you make judgments apart from God, whether you're making about yourself or somebody else, you're drifting away from the glory of God. We need to be drawing nigh to the glory, not drifting away from it. Amen? So all guilt, all guilt originates from within you. And it's always based on the belief that you possess some mind other than the mind of God. That you possess something or you know something that maybe God doesn't know. You see, Eve thought when she believed the lie of the serpent that she would actually know something that God didn't know. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. So our guilt originates from within us because of what we believe. You believe you have a mind other than the mind of, uh, uh, of Christ, other than the mind of God? But we need to get rid of that guilt. How do we get rid of that guilt? We will rid ourselves of this guilt once and for all. Once and for all. When we make a commitment, listen to me very carefully, it is imperative for you to forget. Come on. Forget about the past. Deal with the guilt. And the way you deal with the guilt is to never forget the fact that the gospel is good news for the guilty. Let me say it again. The gospel is good news for the guilty. Huh? If you forget that, if you forget about God, if you forget about his word, if you forget about the good news, then your guilt will overwhelm you. It only gets worse. It doesn't get better. So, so when, when, when you're dealing with guilt, 
Guilt just, just doesn't go away over time. Guilt gets worse. And it does a number on you. If you turn to Psalms, one, uh, not 138, but Psalms 38. Turn to Psalms 38. And I want to show you a classic example of David. Even David became overwhelmed with guilt. Now we know that David had committed sin. David had committed some major sins. He committed adultery with, a, with Bathsheba. He conspired to murder, murder Bathsheba's husband, Uriah. And then on another occasion, David numbered the people, and, that, and God considered that a sin. God wants us to depend on him and not on our natural resources or our natural means. So David had committed sin. And I don't know which one of these sins he's talking about here in Psalms 38 or if he's talking about all of them. But in Psalms 38, David says, Oh Lord, do not rebuke me in your wrath, nor chasten me in your hot displeasure. For your arrows pierce me deeply, and your hand presses me down. There is no soundness in my flesh because of your anger, nor any in my bones because of my sin. Look at verse 4. For my iniquities have gone over my head. David is drowning in guilt. For my iniquities have gone over my head like a heavy burden. They are too heavy for me. Now, in the New International Version of the Bible, here's the way verse 4 is rendered. Verse 4 in the NIV Bible says, My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. David is drowning in guilt because of his sin. David even thinks that God saw his guilt, what well, David saw his guilt and his anguish as a judgment from God. Not so. Even, David, even though David felt that way, even to the point of physical sickness, David says there was no soundness in his flesh. There was no health in his bones because his iniquities, his guilt was drowning him. It was like a heavy burden too heavy for him to bear. But David's guilt didn't come from God. That was David's guilt. That was a judgment David made upon himself. God didn't make that judgment. Now, let me say something before anybody get the wrong idea. Although God does not always send physical sickness or physical illness because of our sin, he does in certain circumstances. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 28 says, let, But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat. He that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself. Not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, for this cause, Paul went on to say, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. In other words, they're dead. 
So Paul shows us that when it comes to the sin of not discerning the Lord's body and Holy Communion, it can lead to weakness. It can lead. One of the consequences could be weakness. It could be sickness or even death. So David is overwhelmed with this guilt. Now, sin can have physical and mental side effects. Some of you know that firsthand. Hmm? Sin caused great suffering because of those physical and mental side effects. It's like this. When you sin, it's like inflicting a wound. But the guilt of that sin is like pouring salt on the wound. That's very irritating. That's very uncomfortable. Guilt is like salt on an open wound. And if we don't close that wound, if we don't seek healing from God of that wound, then that guilt will overwhelm you. And when guilt overwhelms you, it messes with the way you think. It messes with the way you see other people. It'll even mess with your sleep at night when guilt overwhelms you. So David went through this. He went through this. He said the guilt was just overwhelming. It's too heavy for him to bear. So guilt is not only like a a wound that's been inflicted. It's like the heaviness of sand. And when that sand gets wet, it's even heavier. And that's when you're overwhelmed with your guilt. So it begs the question, how does guilt overwhelm you? It's simple. Guilt overwhelms us by continuing to make us feel guilty. So if you feel guilty about something, why are you continuing to feel guilty? If there's a continuation of the feeling of guilty, then you're being overwhelmed by that guilt. Romans chapter 4, verse 5. Romans chapter 4, verse 5. Here Paul says, But to him who worketh not, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. Let me break that down for you. Paul is saying to him that worketh not. You cannot work through your guilt by trying to keep the law, by trying to keep the rules. To him who worketh not, that is, who does not do the work of the law, but he believes on him who justifies the ungodly. In other words, he believes on him who justifies the guilty. And your faith is accounted for righteousness. Stay with me now. God justifies the guilty. Let me say it again. God justifies the guilty because of your faith. Your faith in him. Your faith in his word. Your faith in the finished work of the cross. God justifies the guilty. And your faith is accounted for righteousness. So what am I saying? Until you make a non-negotiable commitment 
to the gospel. Until you make an unwavering commitment to the new creation, you will always carry within you a judge, a jury, and a prosecuting attorney. Hmm? Who is that judge? Who is that prosecuting attorney? Who is that judge, jury, and a prosecuting attorney? The judge, the jury, and the prosecuting attorney is what they think and what they say. It's what other people have said that causes your guilt to be overwhelming. It's what other people think that causes your guilt to be overwhelming because you haven't made a commitment. You got to make up your mind that you're going to take God at his word. You believe what God has said, and it's not up for negotiation. I believe in the gospel. That has to be your stand. I believe in the gospel. I believe in the new creation. I believe I am who God says I am. God did not create Adam and Eve to bear guilt. Neither did God recreate us in the new creation through Christ Jesus to carry guilt and shame. That's non-negotiable. So I don't care what you say I did. If I truly repented and asked God to forgive me, that ought to be the end of that. And if it's not the end of that, then Jesus needs to come back and finish his work on the cross. But if his work on the cross was complete, if his work on the cross was finished, as he said, then guilt ought to be finished in our lives. Sin and shame. I should say the shame of sin, the guilt of shame. Once we repent, it ought to be finished. Are you hear what I'm saying? That prosecuting attorney, the judge, the jury, the prosecuting attorney. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. He is not going to be, but he is. Present tense. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things are passed away. The shame of the life you lived before, the thing you did, the things you thought, the guilt of those things, they are passed away. Then Paul says to the Corinthians, he says, behold, in other words, look, take a look, take a look, take a look at the new person in Christ. Behold, all things are now become new. And in the new creation, there isn't guilt and shame. Glory to God. Glory to God. So the judge, the jury, the prosecuting attorney, they've all been left in the waters of baptism. That's what it means to be baptized. It means to die. They've been left in the waters of, of, of baptism. And they, these things cannot follow us into the, the promised land, if you will. They can't follow us in the promised land. Why? They've all been destined for the cross. The judge died at the cross. The jury died at the cross. The prosecuting attorney died at the cross. Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified 
with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live it by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live it according to me believing in the one who justifies the guilty. And my faith is counted for righteousness. When Jesus died on the cross, Paul says you died with him. You are crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, you live. But you're not living with guilt. You're not living with shame. Nevertheless, you live. Not you, but Christ liveth in you. And this new life we now live in the flesh. We live it by the faith. By the faith of the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. So why should I feel guilty about my past? Why should I be feel ashamed about anything that God has forgiven me for? That's been washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Why should I feel guilty? Guilt paralyzes you. It always keeps you on a standstill or moving backwards in the wrong direction. But God wants you to move forward. Amen? So if we're going to get rid of our guilt, particularly when we're overwhelmed by guilt, we just got to learn how to repent, ask God to forgive us. Don't try to rationalize anything we've done or said that you know you're wrong because, see, you, 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 the Holy Spirit has convicted you. The Holy Spirit convicts you in your spirit. And if the Holy Spirit didn't convict you, your conscience condemned you. So when you know you're wrong, you repent. Be quick to repent. Don't try to figure it out. Don't try to weigh it, rationalize it. No, you know you were wrong. So ask God to forgive you. And you move on with your life. Proverbs 28 verse 13 says, He who covers his sins will not prosper. I want you to hear this. He who covers his sins will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them shall receive mercy. We need to confess our sins. And if we confess our sins, then we need to forsake them. Don't open that door again. Shut the door. Leave it closed. Because when you confess that sin, forsake that sin, then God says, I promise you mercy. Mercy. Amen? So, in closing, let me say this. David might have been overwhelmed by his guilt, but David overcame that guilt. When you go to Psalms 51, when he prayed and says, Create in me, O God, a, a clean heart and renew the right spirit within me. And I'm telling you, you can overcome your guilt. You don't have to drown, be, you, you don't have to drown in this guilt. Your kids making you feel guilty, your, your loved ones making you feel guilty, your friends. All because of something that's in the past, something that Jesus went to the cross for. And why are we still carrying it? Why are we still feeling guilty about it? You just got to make up your mind. And this, there's no room for negotiation, as I said earlier. 
Join us Sunday at Agape Word Fellowship, where Dr. Jerry Maya Williams is your pastor, proclaiming a life-changing message of the agape love and power that God is. For more information, log on now at www.agapeword.net. 1430 South New Hope Road, Agape Word Fellowship.